Coming up on episode 42 of Anchor Persons. The Devil and Miss Caballole. Lie down with racist dogs. Get racist fleas. Pumpkin the brakes on pumpkin spice. Now that's what I call potty humor. And what does Posadism have to do with Action Park? Stay tuned to learn. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Anchor Persons. From the south and east of the northwest, the land of trees and rivers, currently on fire, it's Anchor Persons with Gene and Greg Person. Featuring sports, emotional weather, food crime, the podcast shopping network, and more. Anchors weigh you down. Cut loose with your news. Here's Gene and Greg. Good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, and welcome to Anchor Persons. I'm Gene Person. And I'm Greg Person. No relation. Anchor Persons is a news show for people who don't like news shows by people who don't like news shows. Before we do anything else, I want to mention an article that was brought to my attention by a friend of a friend whose name is Alex. Apparently, a new winery in Napa called Just the Tipsy has released a new rosé wine in a penis-shaped bottle. I'm obviously very curious what the boys over at the Brosé podcast will have to say about this. It's a 12.5 Syrah Rosé enhanced with small, crisp bubbles. To me, it sounds tasty enough. Now, if only I could find that cockscrew. Cockscrew is very funny. I think this is going to be a good episode. I think a rosé in a penis is one bottle I could I could hit kind of hard. <laughs> it might hit you back. <laughs> right. Let's get into tonight's story beats. A Florida woman arrested for behaving erratically and attempting to steal a fire truck claimed that she was not intoxicated, but rather had taken the elixir of life. Or as it's known outside of Florida, crystal meth. (laughs) That's a good joke. Oklahoma's governor, Kevin Stitt, this week removed the only two physicians from the board that oversees the state's Medicaid agency. The board had previously voted 7-1 to to delay the implementation of the governor's plan to privatize some Medicaid services. Stitt's decision has faced some pushback from the medical community in Oklahoma, but was largely celebrated by Oklahoma's powerful Apple lobby. Coldplay's Chris Martin said recently that taking mushrooms had, quote, confirmed his suspicions about the universe... Which I assume means God told him Coldplay sucks. Attorneys for convicted mass murderer and white supremacist Dylan Roof have challenged his death sentence on the grounds that the victim's goodness and worth were portrayed unfairly at the trial. This motherfucker killed nine people in a church in the hopes of starting a race war, and he feels he was being treated unfairly because the people who he chose to kill were painted as good human beings. Well, I mean, maybe he has a point. What litmus test should we use? Hmm. Oh, I got an idea. Did any of his victims gun down nine people in a church in the hope of starting a race war? No? Okay, the conviction stands. A new study shows that sex can relieve nasal congestion, so if you're feeling stuffy, get stuffed. Alaska State Senator Laura Reinbold has been banned from flying Alaska Airlines, forcing her commute to reach the state's capital of Juneau to be much longer possibly as long as two days. The ban happened because of a video uploaded to Twitter that showed the state senator arguing with airport staff over mask rules. But that didn't stop the senator from publicly accusing Alaska Airlines of preventing her from flying as a, and I'm quoting, political ban due to an activist. Because if there's one thing 
the airline industry is known for, it's their embrace of left-wing politics. All right, enough about the news, let's move on to main news. Okay, well, speaking of left-wing politics, Gene, uh, I wanted to tell the good people at home about Posadism. Uh, Posadism is a political philosophy rooted in the Trotskyist vision of global communism, which is opposed to both capitalism and Stalinism. The thing everyone remembers about it now, though, is the contention that any and all aliens visiting Earth would be communists, since communism is the only system that will allow sufficient technical and scientific advancement to travel to other planets. While this is undoubtedly true, and the official position of this show, it got the Posadists written off as cranks until the advent of Twitter made it clear that this is a relatively sober and moderate opinion. But what does that have to do with Action Park? So as someone who loves roller coasters and amusement parks, you'd think I'd want to visit all of them. And to be honest, you'd be right about most. But there is one very notable exception. In Vernon Township, New Jersey, there was a park called Action Park. And it was goddamn dangerous. Nicknamed by local youth as either Traction Park, Accident Park, or Class Action Park, Action Park was a combination water park and amusement park where the owners kind of designed the rides themselves without any real regard for physics or the safety of the guests. That went about as well as you would expect it to. Action Park's attractions included a water slide that went in a complete loop, which injured countless people, a wave pool where people actually drowned, a kayak ride where the rapids were generated by equipment that had, no kidding, live wires that electrocuted someone to death, and an alpine slide that also killed a guy. Yeah, the place was a fucking disaster. Add to that that the staff were undertrained, underaged, and often intoxicated. It's nuts this place was ever open. State regulators did very little to address the issues for a long time, and ultimately, it was a string of personal injury lawsuits that led to the closure of the park. Hmm. So, you know probably a fair bit about the history and the background of this place. Uh, I do. Be- mm-hmm. Before we dig into similarities, I have to know, what is it that made these people feel like they were competent to do any of this? It wasn't so much that they felt like they were competent to do any of this. So, so this guy, Gene Mulvehill, the owner of a ski resort area in New Jersey, where this, this all took place, they designed Action Park to help keep the property, you know, popular and occupied and marketable all year round. And I I think this was, I think he was kind of a, a libertarian character, mm-hmm. you know, solid laissez-faire capitalist, if you will. Mm-hmm. And he believed that uh, he was the best and the brightest and he could come up with a ride just as well as any of those engineers out there. So I guess what you're saying is that capitalism did not allow sufficient technical advancement to make an amusement park that was non-lethal. Well, uh, I don't want to pin this all on capitalism because capitalism has helped regulate well, is it really capitalism that helped regulate? No, nope, it's not. Absolutely fucking not. No, no way. <laughs> you're, you're, you're 100% right. Yeah. So so what, what we're saying is capitalism, uh, like raw natural capitalism, absolutely created this park that was completely unsafe and killed children. 
Which, you know, even Disneyland, I mean, kids die at Disneyland all the time and they cover it up. Everybody knows it. Kids do not die at <laughs> Disneyland all the time. There have been a few deaths and almost all of them were on the were the fault of the guests. And those kids, uh, you know, their their uh, their bodies, their their DNA and their nutrients are fed to Walt Disney's cryogenically suspended body to give him power and life. Well, Walt Disney was not cryogenically frozen. I mean, I know that's that's a popular urban myth, but that's not the case. Well, as far as I know, from what I've heard from my sources, the cryogenic chamber is underneath the Matterhorn, which makes sense. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> the- well, you know, you know, you've got one set of facts and I have alternative facts and... At, I, I don't know how we can determine which one is correct, but... Oddly enough, did you know that uh, about three quarters of the way up uh, the Matterhorn, there is a basketball court? No way. Why? Uh, it's not like a full-size regulation basketball court or anything. They used to have climbers going up and, and down the Matterhorn all day, and that was a little like relief station for them up there. Okay, and cast so... members would also go up and hang up in that area, and they, they put up a basketball hoop. Yeah. That's dope. I like that. But... So you're, you're saying that there's no cryogenic chamber at all in Disney World or Disneyland? I, either one. I mean, like, to the best of my knowledge, there is no cry, cryogenic chamber of human remains in either park. Well, if you say that to the best of your knowledge, there isn't. And I say that to the best of my knowledge, there is. Because mine has this extra fact. Doesn't that mean that my knowledge is better? N- no. What is the CNN are we are we employing the fairness doctrine here? Like we're not on equal footing in terms of Disney facts. It's not even close. Mm, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but doesn't that I mean, I feel like our listeners have concerns that you might be in the pocket of big amusement park. Oh, I mean, I I think that's probably a fair concern, <laughs> but I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't ride a ride that had killed someone. Well, that's not true. I absolutely would ride Big Thunder Mountain. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that has killed people. <laughs> okay, so I feel like I won. I won this round. I feel uh, like you absolutely did not. <laughs> so first off, let me point out that I have I have corrected my own mistakes. You haven't you haven't caught me on anything here. I have corrected my own mistakes here as as this discussion has continued. And the level of work that goes into keeping a park safe, it it varies from park to park. And there were points at which I would advise people not to go to certain parks because they did not feel safe to me. Well, you know, I still think Disneyland opened way early, all things considered. Well, they did. Their first their opening day was a disaster. I mean, not not the original opening day. I mean, here recently when they were. Oh, yeah. Yeah. COVID and then open back up. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's a tough proposition when you've got an organization like that, but but I totally agree. I, I feel like every organization that is is open and admitting the public is is definitely taking more risk than is needed. But they also don't have any kind of real fail-safe parachute to rely on either. I actually want to go on a little bit of a tangent with you now. I know we try not to do that on this show. Um, <laughs> Action Park is dangerous, and it's mm-hmm. a it's a parable about the hubris of capitalists thinking that they had mastered the laws of nature uh, when they clearly had not, and putting a bunch of people at risk. This reminds me 
of another famous amusement park uh, where the owners were doomed by their own hubris. We're talking about Jurassic Park. <laughs> right. Very different. I mean, at least at Jurassic Park, something was done for the safety of the guests. I mean, those systems did not all work because of one Dennis Nedry. Um who was lured away by the corporate competition, which is really the fault of capitalism as well. Well, and here's here's my question. Do you think that the park would have been safe had Dennis Nedry not sabotaged it? Was it safe in its inception or were the forces that they were attempting to harness so inherently dangerous and ungovernable that... Mm -hmm. I mean, can you make a truly safe amusement park? I think experience shows that you really can't. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that, but it's not like capitalists are the only ones who have made amusement parks. There were Soviet amusement parks, too. That's true. That's true. Well, Posadism, you know, is exp is opposed to the state communism of the Soviet Union. Sure, sure. Because they, they believed in an internationalist communism, but... Uh, so I don't know... Oddly enough... Roller coasters pretty much originated in Russia. This is a little known fact. Yeah, I had no idea. This is the first time hearing it laid on me. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So, um, okay. So this is another tangent, but, uh, yeah, they, uh, they in the winter would build these ice slides and they would sled down them and haul the sleds up and then, uh, you know, climb aboard and sled on down. They call them Russian mountains. And uh, the first roller coasters were basically structures built to mimic those ice slides. See, that sounds mind-bogglingly dangerous. Yes. The amusement industry is full of dangerous stuff. The, uh, the original parks at Coney Island had plenty of dangerous rides. That was you know, during that sort of heyday of the amusement parks, you know, up through the 1920s and whatnot, it was all full of dangerous stuff, like, like live electricity, all the kind of stuff you see at action park. The difference is action park operated in the seventies and eighties. Hmm. So as, as a society advances, we're supposed to care more about the safety of others. I mean, obviously we don't do that anymore. That's, that's, you know, that would be crazy to care about other people's welfare. But we used to think that that was an indicator of social progress. I should say we don't want to uh, we don't want to infringe on anyone's freedoms. It's important. Right. Now, do you think that communist aliens would have amusement parks? I don't know if communist aliens would have amusement parks. One would think they would have some form of entertainment. You know what I'm thinking of is Ian Banks' culture series is basically a series about communist aliens. And if if you folks haven't read those, you definitely should. Uh, I would start with a player of games and then kind of jump your way around. And in this society of communist aliens, they actually do have a lot of extreme sports because their regular lives are very safe. Mm, that makes sense. And I feel like... The more advanced their technology is, the the safer their amusement park would be. And does that, as I'm not an amusement park fan and you are, do you feel like if you knew that everything was perfectly safe at all times, would that take some of the thrill out of it for you? Or do you feel like the fact that there's always the potential for danger 
Does that add to the experience? It doesn't add to the experience, really. What you're doing when you ride a roller coaster is tricking your body into thinking it's going to die. Right. The speed and the drop and the forces at play on a roller coaster, even though that roller coaster can be perfectly safe, knowledge that it is perfectly safe is not really going to change the way your body feels about being tossed around like a rag doll, you know? Mm-hmm. So... I, I don't think that really would have much of an impact on the enjoyment of, of the you know, amusement experience. But oddly enough, it's not roller coasters that are the biggest killer in terms of amusements. Is it funnel cakes? Maybe down the line. Who knows? But, uh, you know, I, I don't know that they've ever done a, a, a specific study to the uh, cardiovascular effects of eating a bunch of funnel cakes or whatever. But, uh, you know, at, at Disneyland, it's it's been sort of more passive ride systems and stuff like that that have killed people. There were deaths on Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, but I think that's the only roller coaster. Most of the other ones were, you know, water rides and the monorail. And most of it was people either staying out and being in the park when they're not supposed to be there or trying to sneak into the park by walking along the monorail track while the monorail is running, which... You know, obviously that was a really bad idea. Yeah, I would I would imagine so. That thing travels at like the highway speeds. So, yeah, it's bad. Sorry, I feel like I'm I'm dominating the conversation and making this all about Disneyland. No, you're fine. I'm I'm actually going to bring it back to aliens here in a second. I'm thinking if you look at uh, footage of UFOs, you see mm-hmm. these craft that are, are bouncing around, they're pulling crazy G's, they're zipping off in random directions. Okay. Now, do you think it's possible that these aliens are flying these craft the way they are because this is their version of, of a roller coaster, an amusement park ride? They're trying to pull those big G's and... and what if... Uh, yeah, what if these aliens are coming to Earth because for whatever reason they need our brand of gravity you know the balance of our atmosphere right maybe uh, we're ideal for this kind of thing and also since we're a primitive planet we don't have the kind of safety regulations that they're used to and so so planet earth is where they come to like planet earth is their disneyland right (laughs) well we're their action park because (laughs) right yeah yeah because you know roswell was what uh 1947 47 okay mm-hmm. yeah that was that was obviously some kind of ride malfunction right i mean they're they're just here to hot rod around and have a good time and look at the weird animals that live on this planet um but it's and not so so maybe it, or maybe you know it's not necessarily the properties of earth that they're looking for it is the legal environment because there are so many capitalist nations on earth and they need to to, to use capitalist sky to do right. these maneuvers because on their home planet, they're not allowed to exploit their citizens <laughs> through, through the use of amusements. So they, they come here, you know, it's like, it's like paying to go on safari for a big game hunt. You right. Know? Yeah. You're it's, you know, like when you, you pay a bunch of money to go and shoot a lion that's been tied up except right. You know, you're you're doing extreme stunts in your spaceship because 
See, and that's the other thing is we don't have spaceships that can catch them. So they can do whatever they want and no one can stop them here. So what we're saying is these these aliens that are visiting us, they're not they're not the communist aliens, the good communist aliens. They grew up in that society, but they're rebels. Yeah, and well, are, I mean, they're probably they're, gonna... they're dare I say, dare I say mavericks. I don't know. I feel like you're getting onto the highway into the danger zone there. No, but, no, I, uh, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying everything's great in alien society until one freaking alien picks up an Ayn Rand book. I, I don't and, think and then, Ayn Rand is going to convince any aliens. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And then suddenly it's Action Park. Well, see, the thing is, I, I have higher hopes for these aliens. Obviously, they're not here to, you know, teach us about their more advanced society or help us evolve. If they were going to do that, they would have done it by now. All these all these people, these alien abductees who say so, they're fooling themselves. But mm -hmm. I like to imagine that these aliens, they're just kids joyriding. You know, they're just they're just having oh, fun okay. and being a little destructive. Sure. Eventually, they're going to grow up. They're going to see the error of their ways. They're going to go back to their home planets and they're going to rejoin the collective. But for now, you know, they got to get their yayas out. They're having a little fun. They're backpacking through Europe. You know, they're they're stealing a yacht. Exactly. And, you and know, doing some donuts. Yeah. They're drinking a hard Mountain Dew, they're punching a police horse, and they're putting it on Alien TikTok. Nice. All right. Well, are, have we bridged the gap between these two things? At I mean, I think so. It's like Earth is a place that is wildly unsafe because it's run by people who don't know what they're doing and don't care. And uh -huh. and, uh, and and are actively like trying to avoid regulators who would, who would make things more safe. Right. And because so they can, for some reason... They consider that anti-business as if having a safe reputation isn't helpful to every business out there. Right. And consequently, though, it becomes attractive to thrill seekers and people who want to be in a place that's a little less uh, sane. And most of those people are are the young, actually. The, the, the principal audience of Action Park was teenagers, and it was kind of a a bragging rights sort of thing amongst them in New Jersey where this happened. So that's actually, it's really astute, my friend, your, I think, your comparison. I think we nailed it. I think we're the action park of the galaxy. Fantastic. Bring on the lawsuits. All right, let's move on to breaking news. Fans of reality TV may be familiar with Dwayne Dog Chapman, known as Dog the Bounty Hunter for the eponymous show. Well, Dog, of course, has been in and out of the press over the years for various actions of bigotry, including saying the N-word. However, in a recent interview with Entertainment Tonight, Chapman explained that he thought he thought he had a pass to use the word kind of like Eminem. Because, and I'm a, this is a direct quote, I had just gotten out of prison in 1979 after spending time 18 months in Texas, and it was probably three-fourths from the Black Tribe. So that was a word that we used back and forth, maybe as a compliment. A lot to unpack there. Yeah. He also argued that there's no way he could be homophobic because one of his daughters is a lesbian. This was all drudged up again after his daughter Bonnie accused him of being a bigot, which he is last week. 
It boggles the mind that he thought any of what he said in defense of horrible things that he said was okay either. He goes without saying that the N-word is not really for our use. There's no magic pass that anyone can grant you that allows us to use it. Arguing that because you're okay with one homosexual, you can't be homophobic is like saying that because you agreed with one sentence Tucker Carlson spoke, his entire platform is on the level. And anyway, it's in your actions, not your words. You can't spin or rationalize away these, these accusations. You do it in your choices, in your behavior, and that includes the words that you choose to say and the way you choose to say them. You also don't win anyone over all at once. The timetable isn't up to you. It's up to the individuals who were offended. That's just the way the world works. Dogs should wake up and realize that after losing not one, but two shows, and rightly so, over this shit. This is probably not a show Dog would listen to, so I don't know why I'm preaching to him here. After all, we advocate for punching bigots, we routinely trash talk reality TV, and we, of course, occasionally recommend that our listeners read a book. Well, I don't know that Dog ever is going to learn all the things that you just laid on him, because you know what they say about... <laughs> <laughs> See, you're laughing like you, you feel like I'm already going to say something funny. No, but, I know exactly what you're going to say about teaching old dogs new tricks. Oh, what about it? <laughs> they, they say you can't teach an old dog a new trick. Oh, that is so apropos to what you were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. We're doing the thing where you pretend that you weren't going to be making that joke. I, I literally, I was going to say... Something about how every dog has his day and he already had his day, so he's probably not going to have any subsequent days. Oh, okay. That was, that was, yeah, that's what I was going to say. So I, I guess I was reading, I was reading the direction you were taking things incorrectly, but it still works. I'm loving this saying about old dogs and new tricks, though. I'm going to use that. Yeah, yeah, by all means. All right. Well, to move into my breaking news, um, Javier Novell was the youngest bishop in Spain, a practicing exorcist, and he was so conservative that the church itself considered him a bit too conservative, a bit of a reactionary. So naturally, he's left the priesthood to pursue romance, but in a shocking twist, it's a consensual affair with an adult woman. Ooh, spicy. She's psychologist Silvia Caballol. And if her mm -hmm. name rings a bell with any of the perverts in our audience, which I assume is most of you, you might know her as an author of Satanic Erotica. Uh, she oh, wrote... that's, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You, you, well, did you ever read her book, The Hell of Gabriel's Lust? No, but it sounds, it sounds enticing. Well, this is the book that keeps getting shouted out in the media when they talk about this story, I assume because it's the spiciest title. And mm -hmm. I bet this book is selling better than ever right now uh, because all the major news outlets had a field day with this story because it is delicious. It is mm -hmm. as delicious as the hell of Gabriel's lust. Now, the uh, former Padre is currently looking for work as an agricultural engineer since he can now add plowing and laying pipe to his resume. <laughs> oh, that's good. Now, Gene, this is extremely funny, we both agree, but it's also a win for the whole world. Because yeah. here's, the, here's this regressive guy who is bringing everybody down, and now he's uh, he's doing his agricultural engineering. So he's happier, 
the world's better off. So I say congratulations to Mr. Novell on finding happiness in this crazy world. And sincerely, thank you. This made my whole week. Yeah, that's that's a real fun one. I'm really glad you found that story. (laughs) Well, here's another question I had for you, Gene. What is in these books? I don't know that it's it's actually what's in the books that is that that managed to pull a priest away from the vows that he has taken. I think it's something personal in his relationship with her. Like, I don't know if this started in a confession booth. I can't imagine that she spends much time in confession booths, but you yeah, never know. I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow these two encountered each other. I'm, I'm going to have to say one of them or both of them swiped right. Oh, maybe. Maybe. I don't, I don't know how what the uh, popular Spanish dating apps are. Yeah, but, neither do um, I, but... But it's, it's interesting that these two found each other through whatever mechanism they did. I have to think that maybe he was, you know, as most priests are, some kind of closet fetishist. And he met one woman who was okay with whatever his fetish was. And uh, that's all she wrote. Oh, that's funny. I like that. Yeah. Two on the nose? No, no, that's just about right. That's very on brand for us. Kind of a, <laughs> right? kind of a, it's dad joke adjacent. Yeah, yeah. And, um, well, I, I think I'm going to continue to choose to believe that he picked up the first one by accident. He saw a book with some angels on the cover and he's like, oh, this, this seems like it's for me. And then he starts reading it and he says, this isn't really for me. He keeps reading and he says, wait, this is for me. (laughs) Dear Sylvia, I am your biggest fan. It's a, it's a happy ending for both of them. Right. All right. Let's move on to uh, our fake true story of the week titled A Zeal of Zebras. Animal control officers in Maryland are having trouble catching a small herd of zebras, saying that they're just too fast. While we don't know for sure what they plan to do about it, we now present the most likely option. Are you sure this is a good idea, sir? Whenever possible, Smedley, we turn to nature for solutions. And how does nature solve the problem of zebras? It's just, they look pretty agitated. Well, they're hungry. If they weren't hungry, what incentive would they have to go after the zebras? Thanks, Smedley. Now release the lions. I know it's been a rough week for all of us, and we'll miss Tracy, Jim, Hector, Susie, and Rod. But it's important to remember that the lions worked. And now we're just one step away from solving our problems. Sir, please, I'm still hurt pretty bad from the lions. You'll have your revenge, Smedley. One of these guys can take down a lion in minutes. And we have 48 of them. Smedley? Yeah, though I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, I will fear no evil. Release the hippos! (laughs) What's the situation, General? The hippos control the entire eastern seaboard, Mr. President. Casualties are rising, and the National Marble Reserve is entirely depleted. Then I fear the time has come. May God forgive us. Launch in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. (laughs) 
Greetings, gentle listeners. If you enjoy this podcast, you may also like Brosé, a mirthy talk show starring four bros who sip wine and consider questions submitted by you, the audience, about current events, pop culture, and which Muppet you should get tattooed on your back. Subscribe to Brosé wherever you get your podcasts. That's B-R-O-S-E. Brosé, the podcast for those who drink rosé. Well, that was a fun segment. Now it's time for sports. All right, now, folks, you know that I enjoy combat sports, but the thing about combat sports is the more they look like actual combat, the less entertaining they are to watch on TV. And the problem really hits its peak with MMA. Now, putting aside the fact that just watching people fight in a cage is a little bit ludicrous in a world that also includes the Large Hadron Collider and the Great British Baking Show, MMA is boring because it's too real. Lots of rolling around, very few jump kicks. So my fix is, instead of putting real fighting styles on TV, let's lift the fighting style from TV with the Star Trek Fighting League. (laughs) This is going to work, Gene. Double axe handles, palm strikes, drop kicks, karate chops, and big wide haymakers only. Fighters will be obliged to pretend the Vulcan nerve pinch is real, and they will be required to wear appropriate costumes. <laughs> I love it. Well, and uh, wait till you hear the best part. Some of our matches, not all of them, but your big title fights, uh, will also include rounds with the deadliest weapon of all, the Batleth. Okay. So what do you think? Are you on board? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we may be crossing into the final frontier of MMA sports. I mean, it is all undiscovered country. That is definitely true. But uh, at the same time, you know, we've gotten far away from the roots of combat sports, which was stylized and slightly ridiculous looking fighting into more realistic fighting. And I feel like this could be our voyage home. Maybe it could. I don't know. Damn it, Greg. I'm a doctor, not a sports nut. I I, I think the people have had enough now. (laughs) Probably. All right, let's move on to the creature feature. It's 2021, so you've probably already heard about myotonic goats, also known as fainting goats. They've been in the public consciousness for a while, but they are a unique critter, and so I chose them for tonight's creature feature. Myotonic goats, when frightened, tense up completely and fall over in a reaction that resembles fainting. Their muscles go completely stiff and they just kind of topple over. This reaction doesn't cause them any pain, though, and they're usually up and moving after a half minute or so. This happens because of a rare genetic disorder that became hereditary, and so it's passed down from generation to generation. Farmers who raise the goats say it helps prevent them from escaping or jumping the fence when frightened. We used to have a place in eastern Oregon where you could see them called the Funny Farm. Unfortunately, the farm has been closed for some time. There are still places you can see them, though such as Old Faithful Geyser Animal Farm in Northern California. Well, that's pretty cool. I always wondered yeah. where those guys came from. Like, that couldn't possibly have been a natural adaptation because it is profoundly useless. It actually is a natural adaptation. It's just, for some reason, it has propagated through the this particular unique breed of goat. Okay, well, I stand corrected. I don't know 
I mean, it, it seems to me like in a fight or flight situation, the reason they call it fight or flight is you want to do one of those things. Right. Like, it's not fight, flight, or faint. Because, right. <laughs> well, but it works for possums. So. Right. So, so hmm. maybe, I don't know. It's also possible that it's it serves some, uh, that the end game of this is some crazy, awesome evolutionary leap that we can't predict. You know, when uh, anglerfish were evolving to become anglerfish, they just had little, little protuberances out of their little foreheads there. And uh, while those may have served an evolutionary purpose, we don't know what it is before it became the little dangler that, that dangled the light so that they can trap fish. That's true. This this could be on the road to something else. I can't imagine what, but <laughs> well, I mean, like, <laughs> maybe when they're frightened, they just fucking die. And right. that saves them a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of pain and suffering. Well, who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe uh, they, they have to momentarily tense up so they can spring forward like, I don't know, six million dollar man or something. Maybe bionic goats could be the next step. Oh, bionic! Give me a bionic goat. I really want one of those. Yeah, shut up I, and take my money. I could be friends with a bionic goat for sure. <laughs> All right, it is time for the emotional weather. This week's emotional weather: shushed, pushed, and bushed. My story for shushed. I'm sure we've all noticed the phenomenon of talk radio blowhards loudly and publicly decrying COVID as a hoax. The vaccines are poison. And the wearing of masks is an assault against personal liberty. While it is sad that some end up swallowing this line of horseshit, it's also become routine that sometime later, when these hosts get COVID, you hear their deathbed announcements that they were wrong and they wish they'd been vaccinated. COVID has a way of silencing a number of these voices, and unless you're insanely wealthy like Joe Rogan or Trump and able to afford monoclonal antibody treatment, you're very likely to lose the fight if you end up being hospitalized. Your best bet for avoiding the cytokine storm that kills so many people is to have antibodies in the first place because it's a novel virus that causes the overreaction of your immune system to trigger the cytokine storm. And the safest way to have those antibodies is to get vaccinated. You know, at this point, so many people have died of this virus, we're likely to see a demographic shift in our politics. And frankly, with the United States a, a raging dumpster fire, I kind of hope so. So speaking of people who should just shut up already, uh, a recent editorial in Newsweek claims that TERFs are being silenced because people are mean to them on Twitter when they do TERF shit. Now, I know that I'm not the first person to complain about this, even this week, but why is it that the people who are complaining about being silenced are always doing it in mainstream media outlets? Not that Newsweek still counts as mainstream media, it's barely a media outlet at all. But anyway, even when it goes under, there are going to be plenty of editorials and cable news spots for people to whine about how nobody lets them speak. Pushed. The U.S. isn't the only country with a rabid anti-vaccination movement. And in London, some Brits attempted a protest they say was against tyranny, genocide, vaccine passports, and injecting children. The group attempted to push the traffic buttons all throughout London at the same time in an attempt to bring London traffic to a standstill, wanting to create gridlock traffic between 7 a.m. and 10 a.m. What these giants of intellect failed to take into consideration is that pretty much everywhere these days, these systems are automated. 
In London, this means that the button is really only active at night, and even elsewhere there are systems in place that determine how much of the traffic can be stopped by this sort of thing and for how long. It's just a pity they couldn't cook up some kind of vaccine for stupidity. Then again, if they did, we would have nothing to report on. Well, speaking of buttons, Gene, 80 cars in the New York City subway system were stopped this week because somebody accidentally hit the power button. Now... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah, no, this is real. Uh, uh, the uh, the button is supposed to have a guard on it to prevent it from being pushed accidentally. But at mm-hmm. some point, the guard had come off, and apparently no one thought that it mattered. So, whoops. Wow. That's why the button had a guard, guys. My story for Bushed, in doing, yeah, we'll call it research, to cover this topic in a way that had a little levity and wasn't as much of a downer as my shushed weather, I stumbled across a number of stories on a particular phenomenon. So let's say you have a bad burn and require a skin graft. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that skin is taken from either the pubic or the bikini area. In one story, a man's face was partially reconstructed with this skin and another a woman's finger. In both stories, the areas where the skin was grafted were growing pubic hair, otherwise normal skin, but some short and curlies. I'd never heard of this, but it stands to reason that some sometimes something's something like this could happen. So, you know, I, I learned something new today. Oh, that makes sense. Why I have these sores on the area where I got my skin graft. Oh God, damn it, Greg! That's an awful joke. Uh, yeah, I, it barely qualifies as a joke, and I'd like to apologize to our listenership. I'll show myself out. Uh, for my bushed weather. Well, as we leave behind the 20th anniversary of 9-11, I'd like to take a moment to remember the unwitting architect of the 21st century, George W. Bush. He took that day and turned it into a permanent war abroad and a toxic stew of fear and hate at home that led us to the insane, doomed hell world we live in today. George, I can't say for sure that we couldn't have done it without you, but we might not have. George W. Bush, such a loquacious leader. Well, you know, there's a saying in Texas, they probably have it in other states too, but this fool me once, can't get fooled again. (laughs) Well, as you know, every week our investigative team uncovers a detailed and harrowing story on food crime. This week, Greg Person has a story. Folks, fall is here, the most wonderful time of the year for one main reason, pumpkin spice everything. I love pumpkin spice. I love it more than my own life. And I intend to eat and drink a lot of pumpkin spice in the next few months. Everything from coffee to ice cream to eggnog to cereal. But there are limits. I will not be eating pumpkin spice Pringles or pumpkin spice hummus, which are real, by the way. Everything I'm going to tell you about is real. I will not bathe my dog with pumpkin spice shampoo. And I will not, under any circumstances, consume pumpkin spice salmon. Now, I thought this was a joke when an eagle-eyed Tim sent it in, but I can assure you that it's all too real, and if you believe Google, it's everywhere. So, if you're eating this kind of thing, you're either doing it ironically, in which case, stop, or you've gone too far down the pumpkin spice route and you need to turn back. Yeah, we are not here to yuck anyone's yum. We really aren't. Pumpkin spice is okay. Enjoy your pumpkin spice latte by all means. We're not... uh, Shame on people for making fun of that and calling people basic for drinking it. It is perfectly acceptable to drink a pumpkin spice latte. But there is a line. 
There's, I mean, to clarify, we're here to yuck some people's yums. Yeah, I guess. I guess. If if your yum involves pumpkin spice salmon, stop listening to this show. Get help. All right. That brings us on to the podcast shopping network. This week, Talking TP. Let's face it. When nature calls, we tend to be all business. Unless you've made the pricey investment in a potty putter, there's very little to do when you're doing number two. But the banyo needn't be so boring. Not with Talking TP. Talking TP is exactly what it sounds like. It's a talking toilet paper holder that activates when you or one of your guests goes to grab some toilet paper. You can record any message you would like, then wait for the sound of muffled laughter from the other room. If I'm being honest, nothing delights me more than the intrusion of someone else's voice unexpectedly in my very private bathroom experience. The commercial which is so high gain the audio distorts, depicts families using it as a device to communicate with each other, share a laugh, and make a trip to the bathroom that much more enjoyable. The device boasts a library of famous movie and TV sounds as well, because what bathroom visit would be complete without Foley work? Talking TP installs in seconds, fits in all bathrooms, and features an on and off switch. You can still order it today. For only nineteen ninety-five. You know, Gene, if there's two things I love when doing a number two, one mm-hmm. is the voices of my immediate family in the same room. <laughs> right. Right. And the other one is yuck yuck canned laugh sitcom stuff. Yeah. That's I I love it. The idea of, of uh you know having a little joke when I take a dump, that's great. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel good about myself and it doesn't inevitably lead to the development of a debilitating complex. <laughs> and yeah, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll have my mom over so she can record a message to play while I go to the bathroom to really just ruin me psychologically. Seriously, I come over to someone's house and the toilet paper holder starts talking to me and making jokes. We're leaving. Yeah, no, I'll never talk to you again. <laughs> Right. Right. And like, it was a nice friendship while it lasted. It's over. Well, and I tell you what else, when people, when people ask me, how come you don't talk to Todd anymore? I will tell them. Right. (laughs) I'll, I'll tell them what you're doing in your home. You freak. Yeah. No, no. And, and, and it doesn't even need to be, you know, in reference to this device, you can just say Todd's tried talking to me when I was pooping. It made me very uncomfortable. He was cracking jokes. Just picture your buddy Todd sitting right next to you while you're pooping and trying to make you laugh. Is that a scenario that makes you comfortable? No, absolutely. If there was a polar opposite of comfort, it is that. Right? My my one refuge from the world and the mocking remarks of strangers is now invaded by your, your fucking yuck yucks. Mm-hmm. No, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. It's a no from me, dog, the bounty hunter. (laughs) All right. It is time for State Up, our weekly review of all the states in the union. This week's state, Nebraska. Here's a fun fact. The population of Nebraska per capita is one. The founder of Nebraska, Ned Braska, is still alive, sleeping beneath the corn, waiting for the day when he will rise and walk the rows again. Speaking of corn, it is very hard to make a joke about the state of Nebraska that isn't corny. 
The movie Nebraska, starring Bruce Dern and Will Forte, wasn't actually shot in black and white. That's just what it looks like there all the time. Nebraska only got its name after a long and hotly contested campaign. Other contenders for the name were North Kansas, South South Dakota, and of course, Wyoming too. Wyominger. The girl version of Nebraska is Debraska. It's pink, there are no pockets, and everything costs more. Our final segment tonight, as every week, is called Person to Person in Person, where we share your valuable feedback with our audience. We had two jokes shared with us by Tim, who is my friend Tim. The first is, uh, what does synesthesia have to do with Matt Lauer? Neither of them are things you want to have associated with 9-11. True. Yeah. (laughs) The second, how can you tell a meteorologist from a porn star? I don't know. Ask them to spell ball lightning. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. That's a very funny joke. All right, wonderful. Uh, Another article shared by a Tim will now be our first news headline haiku. The article reads, all jokes aside, scientists find a talking duck. The haiku. The irony is, the only word the duck said, the common word, quack. As always, I'd like to give a shout out to the bros at Bros A, just the tipsy. And to our voiceover artist, Adam West, who you can find on Fiverr or at his website, awestfraud.com. Folks, that's all the news the persons have for you tonight. Would you like a haiku written about the topic of your choice? Send your topic, and the anchor persons might just make that happen. Gene and Greg love your feedback, and there are so many ways to give it to them. Send them an email, anchorpersonspodcast at gmail.com. Find them on Twitter, at anchorpersons. Or visit their website, anchorpersonspodcast.com where you can leave an audio message via SpeakPipe as well as find full episodes of the show blog posts and more please be sure to like, subscribe and review the show on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts, Spotify or the podcatcher of your choice or simply tell a friend until next time this is Gene Person saying you should always end a comedy set with a callback and this is Greg Person saying release the hippos Good night. Seated, please. Permanecer centavos, por favor. Boggle, boggle, doggle, noggle, boggle. Nozzle, doggle, boggle, toggle. Go boggle.